Uh, yeah, this is what I'm going to talk about then. I'm um, going to talk about the effective use of social capital and cycling scheme development. Uh, which is kind of like everything that everybody's been saying all day and how we take that and use that in highway infrastructure schemes really, using that knowledge to best practice. Um, yeah, who am I? Yeah, that's me. That's me on the cycle. I, I've been working on that project for the past year, but I'm more known for working on the London Cycle Network, which is a... Oh, I'll talk about that in a minute, actually. <laughs> okay, here's what I'm going to talk about. Um, first of all, I've got a model for judging how I've used stakeholder knowledge as part of my practice, which is like a delivering, <coughs> sorry, delivering highway infrastructure schemes. I've used that knowledge, and, and I found a model which is quite nice. It's an eight-run model, and I'm going to like uh, put the different ways that we use it on that model to see how effective it's been. Very badly explained, but it'll get clearer. Um, I'm going to look at that model. I'm going to use some highway engineering transport planning examples because they're the ones I know about. Um, I'm going to test the model on my own project <laughs> with interesting results. Um, Basically, our main method of engaging stakeholders or like uh, activist cycle campaigners is using the CRISP process. So I'm going to talk about that and how we use that to, to kind of climb this ladder model. Um, look at some of the uh, CRISP archetypes that fit into the different rungs of ladder, ladder so i.e. the really bad ones and the really good ones. Okay, I'll talk about that. Um, some latest adaptations of the CRISP process that get a bit further up the ladder than I have managed to. Um, some ones on the top rung. And then I'm going to conclude some big society talk. Because the social capital I thought was a little bit too labour, so I thought I'd balance out. <laughs> okay. Right, yeah, here's the model I'll be using then. It's a Sherry Arnstein's model from 1969. It's a, basically the ladder of effectiveness and participation. So I'll that. Um, rung one is the worst kind of participation. I'm going to put it into good and bad just to make it a bit simpler, but that's kind of manipulation, so. Um, yeah, obviously not very good. You're basically just doing it, not even for people's own good, just doing it as a society. I'll show some examples in a minute. Maybe I'll talk about it. But, um, yeah, okay. Number two is um, therapy and informing. Gradually, more and more taking on board what people actually want and their opinions, consultation, application, partnership. Eventually, up to the really positive sounding ones like delegate power and authority to, to citizens and full citizen control. Um, that ladder kind of made me think of my own pump of our project, and it's, it's basically in like a 900-kilometer network across the 33 boroughs of London, and, and that's where it's going to finish because we're just about to end the project. So we never quite made it to the top, but when I saw the ladder, it just made me think of the last eight years of my life trying to pump that thing up, and uh, didn't quite make it to the top. <laughs> okay. Uh, so here's some examples of the different rungs of the ladder and how they transfer into higher engineering and transport planning practices. Um, so a manipulation example of rung one for stakeholder engagement would be something like a cross rail or a, a motorway widening or a new um, runway. Something that you're not really consulted on, people don't feed it, and it just happens, and it just happens because that's where it's going to be. Maybe like the economy will collapse if we don't do it. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, that's a, I, I kind of view that as a manipulation. Nobody asked me whether I want to spend like a 20 billion on cross rail. Yeah, I could have spent a lot of cycles. Maybe you've got to talk about anyway. Um, number two would be a sort of therapy, which I know I'll put it in the good or bad, but it doesn't necessarily have to be bad to like the therapy. That's just my personal opinion. That would be like um, a sustainable travel incentive, like a, here's a token, go to the shop, it'd be great for you, go out to travel. 
okay, thank you, this therapy, we're doing it for your own good, that kind of engagement. You've not really had any say in it, it's just kind of landed on your table. <coughs> Next is a sort of informing one, and our kind of version of that would be like a, a sort of standard consultation questionnaire, just like, oh, we're doing this, what do you think of it, do you think that's going to be a good idea or a bad one? Just a general sort of surface level consultation. <coughs> Number four would be like a formal consultation, so the, the right to say yes or no, or to like object to it, like a traffic regulation order, which I've kind of put an example up there. Application <coughs> one would be, okay, we're going to do this, but we'll give you three options. It's not like a, you decide, it's like, which one do you want, A, B, or C, or this one that actually was involved in Greenwich. Yeah. Option one's not really given much of a debate, but option two, we get three out of that, so it's already the quite good. So you're leading really. That's that's the location example. Partnership. <laughs> Isn't it great? Um, like a workplace travel plan, you're working with an organisation, you get together, it's a real sort of room six one. Getting better and better now. Delegate. Uh, yeah, are talking next, so I won't talk too much about this, but I think their DIY streets is pretty much a good example of like delegated power. Although it's um, not, not the full citizen power, because you've still got it led by like council officers and the like. Spot them. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's not full citizen power. <laughs> um, yeah, and so a run gate would be like a you private controlled um, community like in how engineering. So we, we don't have any say of what happens in it. They can do whatever they want and, and good luck to them. And that's uh, full citizen control. Probably quite a negative example with the big gates. <laughs> we'll get some more positive ones in the conclusion. Okay, so yeah, I'm going to test this model, this eight-run model, on my own project, just to see how good a job I've done. Um, yeah, this kind of was supposed to be a theory into practice, but I think really I've done practice into theory. <laughs> I wish I'd known this, this theory when I started practicing, that's, that's what I'm saying. Um, actually, like, it came about because I was researching a paper I was doing with John Parkin here, and, and I came across this model right towards the end, just before we were going to submit, and I was like, John, John, this is brilliant, it's perfect. There's going, it's too late, don't put it in the physical. So that's why I kind of put this together for really, I've got to look at my own project using this ladder, see how well did it actually take on people's opinions. Okay, so I'm going to test it in one cycle network, quick view of what the network is. Um, so it started in 1979, it was actually called the Strategic Cycle Network then, it started a year after LCC. Good to see Oliver in the audience there, you can back me up again if I'm wrong. Um, yeah, um, GLC took it over and it, um, sorry, it was actually post-GLC, came the London Cycle Network, uh, about 1994, I think that was the date. Um, what they actually managed to deliver was like 1,700 kilometres worth of side routes. Um, <coughs> then my team took it over in about 2002. We decided to look at the network because there was a lot of it. 3,500 kilometres and we thought, well, we're not really going to deliver this anytime soon. Maybe we should just like concentrate on the, the key strategic corridors on it. So. We, we kind of did a rough sort of town centre plan, these are all other town centres, joined up a line, mapped it onto the existing road network, look at what we'd already built, and we came up with like a new network within the network, the uh, LCM Plus. So that's the project. Okay, there's me as well. So, when we started the project, because it had been gone from 1979 and been that successful, in fact, most most like cycle campaigners were just in full criticism mode already. It wasn't being well, they weren't doing what people wanted, it was a below standard. So we thought, right, how can we get past this? So I thought instead of just coming up with schemes in a normal sort of higher engineering way, we'd go on site with stakeholders saying, Well, what should we do? 
talk it through with them, and then go, okay, that's good. And that, um, then we'd actually build those ones that we've agreed. So we came up with a process called the CRISP process to do this. So it's like a pre-feasibility one. Here's the uh, standard scheme development process. So you start with the feasibility, you do your consultation, you design it, you put it on the ground. That's what we're normally doing. And the CRISP kind of predates this. Although it does have an element of consultation, which is why I put it on there. <clears throat> so what do we use CRISP for? We use it for scheme appraisal, for planning, decision making, delivery, promotion. It's, it's kind of a strategic feasibility report. And it's kind of like the main crux of this presentation, really, because I'm a big fan of it. it Helps me meet people on site, get their views, decide what should be done, and then we cost it up and deliver it, hopefully. Um, yeah, maybe just get a little bit. Um, so, yeah, this is Chris Brief, just to explain it in a bit more detail. Stage one, uh, we go out, we look at the existing conditions for cycling, uh, look at accident stats, flows, all the sort of background data you need to actually undertake the CRIM, which is stage two, the cycle route inspection meeting. And that's where we meet stakeholders on site. We've already issued them the report from stage one, so they know the sort of general background information. We meet them on site, say, well, what should we do? Come up with the options, try and reach a consensus, and then we present the results of that in stage three, which is like a draft risk report. So we say, here's everything we want to do, here's how much it'll cost, this is what we want to do, here's our problems. Um, we have another meeting again um, to just agree everything that's been put into that report and then we issue a final, and then it's up to me to actually make sure that all gets built. So, that's the crisp brief. Um, yeah, so I thought it'd be interesting to look at the crisp types and compare them with the different rungs of the ladder. <laughs> so like, um, yeah, the, de definitely, like, considering it's got quite a tight brief and it's quite positive, it was interesting that I could find perfect examples for every rung of the ladder, maybe apart from the top ones. But um, yeah, here's an example of a manipulation crisp. <laughs> Yeah, in the paper, I didn't actually name names, but I thought it would be more fun today amongst friends to just actually show the actual examples. So this one here, they haven't got any, there's nothing to actually do. There's just pictures, and you can't really tell from there, but he's actually in a car, just driving along while his mate's taking snaps, and they decide it's absolutely fine. So that, that to me, is a manipulation crisp. No stakeholders involved, there's no stakeholders in the back of the car, they're just going along and going, oh, they've asked us to do a crisp, have to do it. TFL have paid me 20 grand, but I go out and do it, okay, snap, 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 we think it's fine, we've drove there in five minutes, that's manipulation, man. <laughs> um, right, a therapy crisp, another sort of paper exercise, really, they, they haven't really gone through the, the exact format, <clears throat> this one here, just to say it's like a member's report, really, Westminster, I'm going to name names now. <laughs> just, just gave a list of everything they actually wanted to do and where they wanted to do it and said, there we go, we've done our crisp. Thank you very much. So, but we know what's best for you and it's all that lot. And that's what our engineers think. So really, it's not really a crisp because a crisp involves like a stakeholder input, but just to tick the box they've gone through and they've agreed it with their members who are the most important thing in Westminster. Okay, so an informing crisp. So this is like a... Chris, well, you already know what they're going to do, but they've just got to go through the process again. Like this one here, it says, like, uh, introduce ASLs. Okay, and then another one, another clue to it being an informing one. It's quite a high angle here. It's obviously on the top deck of a bus. Which is another example of a bad one. So, for me personally, there's a lot more that needs to be done to that junction to make it fast, safe, and comfortable for cycling, other than ASLs. Um, but they haven't really done that, because they've obviously got a brief from their client, who in this case is TFL, 
they just go, look, we're going to do it ourselves, just put it in there, it's pretty decided, don't put anything too bold. So that's a bit of an informing one, really, this is what we're going to do. But it is still quite good. A consultation, Chris. Okay, well, I'll put this one in because it's already an existing scheme, so you're not really going to be able to change anything in the area. All they've really done is add an amendment to it. So that's an idea of a consultation. When we've got the idea, how can we improve it? And there's a lot of CRISP studies that fell into this category. Now this one here, there's a local area improvement scheme. Uh, talking about a contribution to it just to amend some of the footway. It's not really great. Is it going to give you exactly what you want? You don't know what the scheme is. and So really, it's just a bit of a, again, a paper exercise. Okay, application one. Yeah, this, I'm not just using other people, this is one of my reports now, where I was forced to applicate, which is uh, kind of why I'm using it. Again, like, um, they're taking ideas on board, and they met on site with stakeholders, and we decided, oh, this is what we've got to do with the curb track here. But the reason I've used this here, is because that's the only thing that, that the client was actually going to let me do along the whole of the A10 there, which wasn't good, really. So it was a bit of a case. We met them, but as long as we make tiny changes at the exact points that are specified beforehand, you know, that's what we have to do. Okay, a partnership one. Um, this is like a, it's not really an LCM plus crisp this, although we did look at um, LCM roots. It was kind of an area-wide permeability crisp. When I started like getting good at the process and adapting it really for different modes. So um, I did this in full partnership with a LCC. They didn't get paid for it, which will be the next stage, but yeah. they kind of worked in with me all, all the way through. We came, LCC provided like the initial report saying this is what we want to do, here's all the places we want to do it. and I used the CRISP to go out, look at their recommendations and go, okay, strategically that makes sense, I'll cost it all up and I'll see what it's all feasible. So that's why it's a sort of full partnership one. The ideas are coming from both sides. A delegated power one. <coughs> here's a bit of uh, LCC's new process, the user quality assessments. They actually uh, commissioned LCC to do one. Uh, which crisp was this? Oh, yeah, we go. It was on, on the canal one, Regents Canal. Actually, commissioned them to go and have a look at the canal before you even started the work on it and to assess it for me to see what kind of quality it was. They've got like a rating from one to four from uh, it's brilliant to it needs a lot of work. They come back with that. Also, got like um, also says what it should be and what it could be if you make certain changes. So, it's a nice way to start the report off. So, I kind of think it's a bit of delegated power saying, okay, well, you tell me what, exactly what I should do there and uh, we'll assess it. Afterwards, a little bit like the last one, but because it's got this user-generated like system, I think it's it's getting up to rung seven. I didn't have any rung eight ones, but I've used some examples from the biking borough. This Cycle Star Alliance is like a South London thing with like Mayor Brown and the LCC and, and various like um, cycle shops, like designers. They all get together and, and actually deliver a report, a highway engineering one as well for the client department to go. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, I'm doing all right, actually. I'm going to go a bit on that. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be an example. I mean, the kind of working and the kind of not the, the delegated power ones, but it's kind of a little bit outside of my, my agreement. Okay, some of the adaptations of the CRISP. So, I took um, the different projects that we use in the CRISP process and looked at how they were utilising it and what sort of rung on the ladder they were actually getting to, in my opinion, <laughs> I should add. So the cycling and greenways, um, yes, there's their parameters, the easy access, the safe, the appealing, it's a leisure type of route, a pedestrian focus, um, 
yeah, there's lots of artistic solutions like RLC plus one was all like straight highway engineering knowledge like build this, widen that, tarmac that, and that sort of thing. So this is a little bit more creative, which is why I've called it an adaptation. They call it a green crisp as well, which is nice. I kind of think they tend to operate at level six because they, they really work well with the communities and, and it seems to be a full partnership and there's no knocking back of ideas and, and it's all good. Now, the biking boroughs, <coughs> which is like a new TFL project, um, kind of like sociology meets highway uh, engineering the biking boroughs project. So they're, they're looking at doing behavioural change and attitudinal data and, and all the stuff that I should know about as a former sociologist, but I've long since begun. Um, I think that kind of work and that kind of extra element that they put in on top of the crisps um, takes it to like a level seven. Although we haven't finished one of the reports yet, so I'll have to wait until the see. But they're basically using the CRISP process. Superhighways, <coughs> they call it the chip process rather than the CRISP, which is still potato based, so it's quite good. Safe, <laughs> <laughs> fast, and direct, commuting pretty much the same parameters that we use on the LCM Plus, but they've been using much larger groups. So they've been known to take like 30 people along on these rides, and we always kept to a limit about seven because we thought it got unmanageable. They take along 30 to break into splinter groups. It's a, it's a full, extravagant day out. Um, but I've put them down on rung four, and that, that's quite mean to me because it's quite a new project and it's gone quite well. But all the feedback from everybody that's gone on them is saying they're not listening to a word anybody says. They're just doing yeah. like uh, three. There we go. Well, Oliver's the expert for sure. So yeah, three, three or four would be nice because I might want to work there one day. Um, <laughs> and the permeability schemes, which is the, the only one that's really been done using the CRISP process, is one we did in Westminster. We did the whole of Westminster, unlocking as many one way streets for two way work for cycling as possible. Um, as I say, involved in LCC, they did all the, the pre work for it, they decided all the routes and we went and assessed them. So that's, that's definitely a rung six partnership as well. So attempts at rung seven and eight. Oh, this is attempts at rung eight. I think the DIY streets is getting there. It's just because it is controlled by the council officers at the end of the day. It's an attempt, but it's not quite there. But maybe like people will decide some pretty outrageous things as part of it. Um, here's an example from Portland here, which I thought was a bit of a use control one. Um, basically give the residents the right to like just design their streets however they want. And in this case, we've drawn a big sort of sunflower montage thing, not sure what it is. They haven't really changed the road alignment though, so I don't really think it's fully wrong gates. One minute. Okay, how about do? Oh, conclusion. Right, so yeah, this is the, the where we're at now really. This, this kind of approach is all leading to the big society of local people deciding their local issues and all the rest of it. Um, I think it's good that cycling's made it so far up the, the run of the ladder. It's just that in London at the moment, put this diplomatically. Well yeah, basically what I've said there, there's, there's more power but there's no money. And what money there is out there for local authorities is pretty much going on maintenance now. So we got to a point where we can like have a direct partnership relationship and go, right, what should we do? But then suddenly all the funding's changed, it's all been taken away, it's all reactionary. So there's no real projects to, to feed into and the ones that are have kind of stepped back a bit like the superhighways and not really taking people on board. So anyway. <laughs> Cycling is a mainstream transport option, that is the main, the main point and we should be expecting room six and we should be arguing, especially on the superhighways, that we should be up at that level and you know, that's where they, they need to learn from this. Um, yeah, that's it, basically. <laughs>